Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Clear Cut Sports. Thanks for tuning in today. Hope everyone's doing well. I'm your host, Seth. We got a lot of fun stuff today. This is the first first half of a doubleheader Wednesday. Um, got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today, so we'll get right into it here. Over the weekend... Andy Dalton signed with the Dallas Cowboys. The deal was $3 million, up to $7 million, based on performance and how far they make their playoffs and stuff. And oh my god, now what does this mean for Dak Prescott? For those of you that don't know, Dak Prescott currently does not uh, did not sign his franchise tag. There have been negotiations for a while now between Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. They can't seem to come upon a uh, a reasonable deal in Dak's case. What does this signing mean? It means to me, Dak Prescott, the ball is now in your court. Because when a lot of people think about Andy Dalton with the Cincinnati Bengals, the career he had, he had a few winning seasons. The last few years, obviously, is what people are going to remember, which were not that great. But he also did not have great weapons, offensive line, and a defense behind him. Andy Dalton made the playoffs a few times, did not win a playoff game under uh, Marvin Lewis. And a lot of that probably can be contributed to uh, coaching, since Marvin Lewis didn't win a playoff game in 10 decades, it seemed like. So Dak Prescott, pressure's on now. It's time to nut up and shut or shut up. If you want to keep holding out, Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys got a quarterback. Because Andy Dalton, it's not like you're going to get somebody who doesn't know how to play the game. Andy Dalton's very capable. Matter of fact, with those weapons, Andy Dalton has a game manager style. He's not going to lose you any games. You're going to hand the ball off, hopefully, anyways, to Zeke 25 to 30 times a game if you're Mike McCarthy, if you know what you're doing. And then Andy Dalton has... Great playmakers to throw at. Amari Cooper, obviously. Michael Gallup. And then, of course, the first-round pick, C.D. Lamb. Those are three good wide receivers. Am I saying Andy Dalton is as good as or better than Dak Prescott? No. But it might not be as far as people think it is. So Dak Prescott, what are you going to do now? Earlier, way back, he was offered a deal worth about $33 mil a season, which was rejected, of course. I'll tell you what, if Jerry Jones called him right now and offered him $33 million, I don't know how you wouldn't take it if you were Dak Prescott. Because all of a sudden... You look around, 
there's not very many teams looking for a quarterback. And and of those teams, not very many of them have the talent that the Dallas Cowboys have, especially on the offensive side of the ball. For example, Jacksonville, you got nobody to throw at there. Of course they need a quarterback, but they need receivers bad. You don't need that problem. You don't have that problem in Dallas. So, another interesting take from this Andy Dalton signing first to Cam Newton. Now, as of right now, Cam Newton has not signed with anybody. He's still a free agent, and it was recently uh, reported that he would not take a backup role. So you go around. Now, who needs a starting quarterback? Jacksonville, as we just said. New England, possibly. I'll get into that in a little bit. Outside of maybe Oakland, Lord knows what's going on over there with Card Mariota. Outside of that, for a starting quarterback, the the market isn't that big. It's really not. And Andy Dalton signing for a three million dollar deal. What does that do to Cam Newton? Well, you'd be a fool to say that Andy Dalton is better than Cam Newton. He is not. Cam Newton once voted the best player in football by his fellow players. So if you're Cam Newton and you see Andy Dalton's on for $3 million, what does that do to your value? You can kind of look at it two ways. You can look at it as Andy Dalton signed for $3 million up to $7 million. So Cam Newton should be worth, you know, at least $25 a year. If he stays healthy because he's a, when he's healthy and he's on, he is one of the best out there. Or you could look at it and say Andy Dalton was a starter for many, many years for the Cincinnati Bengals. He signed for only $3 million. Well, Cam should get no more than nine. I'm just throwing, making up numbers. So Cam looks at this Andy Dalton signing and says, why couldn't you have gotten at least $6 million? Because then, then I could have made up somewhere up to 13 if he does sign. With somebody. I would love to know what Cam Newton how what Cam Newton thinks about this signing. But Cam Newton saying he won't take a backup role really limits his options here. New England, Jacksonville. I, I threw out Oakland, but they probably wouldn't even go for that because they have two probably two in their mind capable quarterbacks. Dallas, assuming Dak Prescott gets signed, even if he doesn't, do you want to have both Andy Dalton and Cam Newton on your field, on your team? Maybe, maybe not. So, I mean, many teams might could have an upgrade. For example, if you look at Buffalo, 
Cam Newton might be an upgrade over Josh Allen, depends who you ask, but are they going to go out and do that to their first-round pick? Probably not. And there's many teams like that, you know, Miami and Tua, for as example. So, Cam is severely limiting his options here. And I don't know how this Andy Dalton signing helps him or hurts him. Depends how you look at it. Speaking of quarterbacks and teams that do not have one, apparently. <clears throat> so, the Andy Dalton signing Dallas essentially leaves New England with Jared Stenham, unless they sign Cam Newton, which there is no reason to believe that they will do that as of right now. We've heard nothing. If they would, if they were going to sign him, you figure that would have been done by now. Personally, between Dalton and Newton, I figured if they were going to sign one of them, it would have been Dalton because that's kind of Belichick style, a game manager rather than a high flyer. So now what if you're New England? Oh my goodness, Jared Stidham, he's your quarterback. He can't throw. He... He's awful. He won't be any good to your football team. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Belichick knows what he's doing. I think everyone just needs to take a deep breath on this. Now, am I saying Jared Stidham is going to be the second coming of John Elway? No. But people are making it out like Jarrett Stidham is going to be Nate Peterman. If you remember a few years back with Buffalo, he threw, I think it was five interceptions in the first half of his first NFL career start. That's what it sounds like. And it's not going to be that bad. I can almost assure you. Because Bill Pelichek. He's got a lot on the line here now that Tom Brady's gone. And if you think he would just say, ah, well, I'm going to settle with Stidham, even though I know he's horrible, well, you're wrong. Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots see something in this young man that they believe can carry him forward. And, you know, they could be wrong. But I think at this point, Belichick has earned the benefit of the doubt. And we should believe him going forward. So I do think there's a possibility that Stidham is legit. I don't expect him to throw for 50 touchdowns and 4 interceptions. But I, ex I expect him to fit in well with the system. He's learned under Tom Brady for the past couple of years. So, all this talk, I mean, just, just, everyone just take a deep breath, it'll be fine. And it's not like Tom Brady last year lit the league on fire. By any stretch of the imagination, we all know that. New England last year 
went 12 and 4. With Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, at the quarterback position. So, what I'm getting at here is Jared Stidham, it's not like Jared Stidham is replacing Tom Brady the year Brady threw 50 touchdowns. That's not what's happening here. Jared Stidham is replacing, you know, an average quarterback. As a matter of fact, last year, below average quarterback. Of course, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Tom Brady. He's the greatest of all time and deserves everyone's respect. But last year, Tom Brady, 61% of his passes, threw for just over 4,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. That's a 3-to-1 ratio. An 88 passer rating, which is 23rd overall. Now, I know passer rating isn't everything, but here's just a list of a few of the guys that were ahead of him. Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. Case Keenum. Daniel Chase Daniel. I don't really count that. He only played three games for Detroit. Marcus Mariota. Derek Carr. Matt Moore. The six games he appeared in, again, not very many games, so I'm not saying it's everything. But you get the point here. Tom Brady did not light the league on fire last year. So, I don't think this quarterback situation in New England is going to be as bad as a lot of people are making it out to be. Plus, you're going to count... New England just lost their fullback, but they're getting the starting center back. They're going to have the same weapons, mostly, as they did last year. Add a few tight ends from the draft. I I expect Nikhil Harry, this is a big year for him. Not too many people are talking about it and probably won't talk about it, but he was a first-round pick last year. So he might have to step up in a big way. Of course, they have Edelman. Can he be a real number one? We'll see. I have my doubts, but still. I, I think there's not... Don't worry too much about this. New England will be fine. And later on in the part two of this double dip, I will talk more about them in the NFL rankings that came out the other day. But stay tuned for that. Anyways. <clears throat> One last thing on this Patriots quarterback. Me and my buddy were talking the other day, and it was brought up how kind of what I just talked about. You know, the Patriots don't have a quarterback. Jared Stidham is the way forward. But an interesting point was brought up here. Now, is this a long shot? Perhaps. But I thought it was a fun theory that I should throw out there. Ladies and gentlemen, if you remember, Green Bay drafted Jordan Love in the first round of the draft this year. And reports all over the place, obviously, not surprisingly, Aaron Rodgers was not happy about the pick. Will he come out and say it? I doubt it. But here's an interesting thought here. It is now doubtful that Aaron Rodgers will finish his career in Green Bay. 
But they can't dump him. He can't leave. Well, he can, but not this year probably. Perhaps next year or the year after. Watch out for New England. Could you imagine? Bill Belichick contacts Green Bay with their mountain of picks that they they have. Here's six picks. We'll take Aaron Rodgers for the next two years. Would you turn that down if you're Green Bay? I wouldn't. Just think about that. Because they're going to want to try to trade Aaron Rodgers to get something for him rather than just let him walk. Green Bay, I'm talking about here. And with the exception of Trevor Lawrence and maybe Justin Fields, there's not a deep quarterback class this year coming up. I'm just saying. You could keep Stidham if you're New England for the future. If you really think he's worth holding on to. But if you're Green Bay and New England comes knocking at the door with five or six picks in the first three rounds, how do you turn that down? Aaron Rodgers with Bill Belichick, arguably. Well, not arguably. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. One of, if not the. Aaron Rodgers, second best quarterback I've seen in my life, next to Patrick Mahomes. Could you imagine Aaron Rodgers and Bill Belichick? Just something to think about. Just something to think about. Keep that on your mind. Last topic for this episode here. Coming back to the last dance, I love talking about it. It is so great to see Jordan and the Chicago Bulls just behind the scenes, you know, at the games, Jordan dropping 50 and 40 in the playoffs and this and that. But it seemed every year the Chicago Bulls, and maybe every two years, had a rivalry with somebody. You know, in 90, it was the Pistons. And then it was the Knicks and the Celtics. And it really kept me interested in the series. And it really made it, made the basketball more fun to watch. Because they flat out hated each other sometimes. So it got me thinking. You know what really fuels sports? One of the main things is rivalries. That's what people tune in for. So I thought it'd be fun here to round up this episode with the top 10 sports rivalries. And full disclosure, the Bulls are not on this list because the rivalries were not quite as long-lasting. You know, the Pistons were a couple of years. Do they still have some animosity towards each other? Probably. 
But since we're talking about The Last Dance so much, I decided not to put them on the list. And one more thing. These rivalries don't have to be they hate each other, like the Bulls seem to do with their rivalries, but just good sports rivalries. Honorable mention at number 11. Here we go. Honorable mention at number 11, the Patriots-Steelers. Tack that in there. They almost made the list, but since it's kind of recent, and it's not really a rivalry, but they seem to battle for the AFC every year. I thought it'd be fun to put them in there. Not quite. Didn't quite make the top 10, but an honorable mention. Number 10, San Francisco Giants and Los Angeles Dodgers in the MLB. It seems, and it doesn't just, and not just recently, but it seems recently they've been in the playoffs every year, you know, in, in the early uh, 2010s. They seem to battle each other every year in the playoffs. They're in the same division, division rivals. A lot of the times, the two best teams in that division always battling for the, the pennant. And, of course, it dates back into the early days of baseball. So this is a long-time rivalry. So it has to be on the list. Just squeaks in at number 10. Number 9, UNC Duke. Typically for college basketball. Could be other sports. But man, I love watching these two teams play college basketball. Doesn't hurt that you got two of the best coaches of all time to be coaching against each other. They're in the same state. The arena is always packed. And every time they play, I'm tuning in. Guaranteed. It's a great rivalry to watch. Contests are usually highly contested. And of course, they're in the same state. Just down the road from one another. So of course, it's going to be a good rivalry. They're number nine on the list. Number eight, Tiger and Phil. Now... I almost put Palmer and Nicholson on the list, but I decided to go with Tiger and Phil. Two of the best golfers I've ever seen. Tiger Woods, in his prime, the best ever. And Phil Michelson, lefty, he seemed to always be battling with Tiger. And then this wasn't one of those heated rivalries. They had a lot of respect for each other. You see now they've been playing. They're trying to organize the um, second round of their uh, one-on-one golf game. But in their primes, it was always seemed to be Tiger and Phil and the rest of the pack in all the tournaments, especially the majors. So they make the list at number eight. Number seven, similarly, Federer and Nadal. Didn't put Djokovic in here because he really didn't come along until later on. But he's an honorable mention. Federer and Nadal, same thing as Tiger and Phil. It always seemed to come down to them. And when they play in a major, everybody is watching. I mean everybody. They always are. I I love watching those two play against each other. They're smart. They love tennis. And they always put on a great show, no matter what the stage is, what the round is. But it's usually the semis or the finals. Federer, Nadal, number seven. Number six, back to college, Ohio State, Michigan. Talking about football here. I mean, come on. You ask somebody from Ohio State, who would they love to beat? 
it's Michigan. You ask somebody from Michigan who they would love to play, it's Ohio State. And it's exacerbated, especially now with Harbaugh and that stat where, you know, he can't beat Ohio State. I love watching these two play college football games. It's rough. It's tough. It's usually tight. Of course, the crowds are always into it in packed stadiums. I love college crowds. Man, they are just, there's something different about them. Ohio State, Michigan, number six. Number five, perhaps one of the not popular rivalries, but it is a big one. It's the Celtic and Rangers over in Scotland. Soccer. This is one of those rivalries where they actually hate each other. They're from the same town, Glasgow. And it's on my list. I want to go watch one of their games someday. Because I have heard some crazy stories. I've heard stories that <clears throat> somebody was at a you know a restaurant in Glasgow, didn't even wasn't even going to the game or cheering for anybody. He just happened to have a blue shirt on, and people started banging on the window, giving him threats because he's wearing a blue shirt, and they thought he was a Rangers fan. How crazy is that? Tell me that is not the definition of a sports rivalry. If you don't know what I'm talking about. Do some research. Celtic Rangers from Scotland, number five. Number four, Fraser Ali. Two best, two of the best boxers to ever do it. Muhammad Ali, known as the greatest. A lot of people don't talk about this rivalry. I uh, did not get to witness in any of these fights. But I've heard great things. I've done my research. Just, I can't say too much about it because... I wasn't around when it was going on, but two of the best boxers, they've had some grueling fights from what I've read, 41 rounds, something like that, in their careers against each other. Frazier Ali, number four. Number three, we're going to the NFL, we got the Bears-Packers. This, this gets the spot mostly because of the longevity of the rivalry. I mean, it seems every opening Thursday, that's the Bears and the Packers. Two of the most historic NFL franchises. You got Lambeau Field and Soldier Field, two of the great stadiums. And of course, they're both in the NFC North. The contests always seem to be tightly contested. Even though Green Bay might be better nowadays than the Bears, they seem to always play each other really tough. And that is another rivalry I love watching, probably because I love watching football. But the Packers-Bears, it's just something about the atmosphere of the Packers and Bears that really draws your attention to watch. Packers-Bears, number three. Another long-standing rivalry at number two. We got the Lakers-Celtics. I mean, come on. If you're going to pick a basketball rivalry, it has to be that, doesn't it? Two of the most storied franchises. You got all-stars and all over the place. you got championships everywhere from Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Kevin McHale, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal. It just seems like there's stars all over the place in this rivalry. And, of course, not so much now, but they used to meet the finals every single year, it seemed, back in the day. 
this was an easy choice for me for for the NBA. Lakers, Celtics, number two, two of the probably the two most storied franchises in the NBA. And at number one, I mean, come on, you know what it is already. Do we even have to say it? It's Yankees, Red Sox. If we're gonna talk about rivalries, how do you not talk about Yankees, Red Sox? It's historic. It is current. It has. It's been going on since Babe Ruth got traded back in the nineteen whatevers. They're always competitive. They're both good. The city, Boston, New York, just, just saying those two words, Yankees, Red Sox, just, you might as well say rivalry. It just is the definition of a rivalry. Always look forward to them playing. Their games seem to go on for 10 hours for some reason. But Yankees, Red Sox, easily, it was easily the number one choice for sports rivalry. Quick rundown. Giants-Dodgers at 10. UNC-Duke at 9. Uh, Tiger-Phil at 8. Fed-Nadal at 7. Ohio State-Michigan at 6. Celtic-Rangers 5. Frazier-Ali 4. Bears-Packers 3. Lakers-Celtics 2. Yankees-Red Sox 1. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Stay tuned for the second half of the doubleheader coming up later this evening. Thank you all for listening. Stay safe, everybody.